The 5-8, your Friday night hang. We take five of the week's most notable and newsworthy topics and spend eight minutes covering each one. Join me, Greg Oliar, and LB, Stephanie Koff, Friday nights, live, 5 Pacific, 8 Eastern. It's the 5-8. Here's what went down on Friday. Good evening. Welcome to the 5-8, where we discuss each of the week's five most fucked up topics for eight minutes each. So, five topics, eight minutes, two hosts, a guest... Some singing, a lot of curse words, and as many cocktails as we deem necessary. LB, how are you? I'm so well. I'm still in California, and it's lovely. But um, I leave early, early, early in the morning, so I'm looking forward to tonight. This is my last night for a few weeks, and then I'm back again. Okay. How are you? How are you, Greg Oliar? Um, I think I'm okay. You know, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of news, a lot of things going on. A lot of things. Um, Looking forward to the show. Got a great guest. Um, yes, you know, looking forward to bringing him on to talk about news that I don't even, I haven't even been able to follow. So that's we be haven't fun. even been able to yeah. track it because the deluge has been out of control. Thank goodness he's here. I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Yes. And I want to ask you: mm. Did you notice something different in late night? I know we're kind of the late night hang here on Friday nights, but did you notice maybe something a little different this week? Anything? Well, I mean, you know, the writers are back. So, yeah. You're back. Yeah. Back. Not that I would put myself in the camp of those writers, but I hope everyone, if you haven't caught it, catch Stephen Colbert's first night back, all of them. They're just like, you know, these poor writers, they have been five months, you know, on strike, on the ticket line, and all of this stuff has gone on, right? We've got four indictments. Finally, Trump went to jail. We had a mug, all this stuff. And they're just like, writing the jokes, stuffing them in their pockets, going, ah, when am I going to tell my jokes? And so it was a bonanza. It was like, woohoo, bring, bring out yeah. the party hats. Everybody got to come. And, and, you know, that is just the hardest job in show business. It's, it takes an intellect and uh, a something like a, in there, you're in there in a, in a way that can you can tickle uh, people's funny bones and and stimulate them and reframe things with a one, one line or two lines, right? Yeah, it just just like that across all demographics, uh, at least in the United States, because humor humor's typically kind of regional. But um, I don't know. I thought those guys brought it. I was happy to see all the writers back. I was happy for all the joy. So that's yeah. it. That's Are we? I was told to write jokes. Did you, you not write jokes? You didn't write jokes tonight. We're gonna. I did not write jokes because I was busy doing something. I else. wrote jokes. I was told to write jokes. You did it. You had time. Okay. You had time. You know what I was doing? It's a surprise for you guys later on. We hope to be able to pull it off. It's yeah, a little. Yeah. It's a little bit. It's, it's a little, little tech, bit dicey. Tech but it'll be worth the wait. Yeah. yeah. So, um, this proves your point about how hard this is. Okay. To write jokes. So these are just jokes. These are like late night style jokes. Okay. Are you just doing them now? I thought we were doing them in our segment. Oh, are we doing them in our segment? Can you do it in the segment? I can, can do it whenever you live. want. Can you do it live and on the fly? Because that is the assignment. That's the assignment? I yeah. think so. Okay. Yeah. That means I have to memorize the jokes that I've written that are on a piece of paper in front of me? Is that it? 
No, no. You can look on your piece of paper. I mean, okay. I don't have a piece of paper. I'm I not well, going to be yeah. all that funny, but we'll okay. see. But you want to go into our first topic? Because, you know, I have the. I have oh, the, yeah. Let's go into the first topic. Let's go into the first topic. And a setup for that, everybody. Um, all right. Eight minutes is going. Okay. Listen, you guys all responded so fantastically to our new idea of fucked or funny that we decided to double and triple down onto it and keep going. So now what we're going to do is we don't know who's going to who's going to say fucked, who's going to say funny. Um Again, remembering for people who missed this last week, we're going to talk about a topic and then discuss whether it's fucked or funny. Yeah. And we don't know who is picking who. So we've got this challenge going on on top of the jokes. It's a lot of challenges. Uh, okay. So we'll see if we crumble under the Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to pick out of the hat. Am I picking for you or for me? I think this you should be It's going to be a debate, everybody. This you is should be debate. picking for yourself. Should we say what the topic is first? Yeah. What's our topic? Um, you know, the topic is, um, you know, Kevin McCarthy has been vacated as Speaker of the House. Um, so, is yeah. That, is that fucked or funny? Are we yeah. fucked or is it Are we fucked, fucked or is it funny? I mean, right. it can't be both. It can't be both. And just to, just to, you know, drive this home, this concept home, we're doing the Mike Pence thing. We're debating and we have no control over what we get. So you're going to pick for yourself. Right. Okay. So pick one. I'm picking for myself. Oh, I got funny. Oh, Okay. Okay, you're going to have to be funnier than me because you got the jokes. All right, here we go. Okay. Greg, yep. why is it fucked that Kevin McCarthy is out? Oh, you want me to go first? Okay. Yeah, I do. Because okay, I picked I go, first. You go the, first. The, the jokes here, um, well, no, actually, some of the jokes will, I can work in some of the jokes to this. Okay, okay. Don't, set up, don't set up your joke ever. You have already failed the late night test. Let's I go. I failed the late night test. I'm, you Let's know, whatever. Go. Okay. Okay. Let's Just, go. you know. Um, the problem with Kevin McCarthy leaving is that someone worse is going to replace him <laughs> and it may be Jim Jordan. Um, you know, and okay, here's a joke I wrote that I failed for late night. You want to hear it? Okay. Here we yeah. go. Knock, knock. Who's there? Jim Jordan reported. Jim Jordan reported who? No one. So the Ohio state doctor kept molesting kids. Ah! Yeah. Good. Right. <laughs> yeah. But in yeah. all seriousness, Jim Jordan is a traitor. I mean, he's the, the you yeah. know, a bunion on Trump's rear end. Yeah. Trump endorsed him today. He is all in on J6. He tried to overthrow the government. You know, Liz Cheney on J6 said, get away from me. You fucking did this. That's, you know, and that's him. OK, he has these horrible skeletons in the closet that that doctor at Ohio State molested, I think, 170, like a lot of people. And there is no way that Jim Jordan didn't know. It, it, it boggles the brain to think that he didn't. People have testified <laughs> oh, that he did. And, you know, that's who he is. He's a guy who allows criminal activity to continue. And, you know, and he's a traitor and that's it. So if he's the Speaker of the House, what's going to happen? It's going to be nothing. Now, if Jim Jordan isn't the Speaker of the House, who is the Speaker of the House? Oh, is this on to me or you? No, it could be oh, Donald John Trump. You know, oh, okay. there is this movement and I don't think we, I, you know, it's not funny. We have to take it very, very seriously okay. I'm, because I'm if listening. Trump becomes speaker of the house, the entire government shuts down and yeah. they're going to have to put Joe and Kamala inside some sort of bunker to protect them from all the MAGA crazy arms of the teeth that are going to want to easily reinstall Trump as president. So that's not funny at all. That's fucked. Um, okay. Before I pass it on to you, 
And yeah. the funny, how many Repu House Republicans does it take to screw in a light bulb? How many? None. There were no light bulbs in the dark ages. Okay. Why is it funny? Okay. It's funny. Well, let, let me start. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? Jim Jordan reported. Jim Jordan reported who? <laughs> Nobody, because he, <laughs> he kept molesting everyone. Not that that's funny, but I don't have a joke, so I'm just stealing your jokes. But <laughs> Jim, listen, Jim Jordan, he's probably an inch shorter than Vladimir Putin, his his friend. So we're gonna have a, a we're gonna have a small in stature, squatty little angry kind of erection that can't find where he's going to, he's just going to anger himself all around. And like, nah, 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 nah. I'm as a woman, as a woman, I'm looking at that and it's funny to me. It is funny to me. I, I don't think that make turning the dial of the clown show up to 11 is going to, create a serious situation. We're already in a serious situation. Mm. They don't have any seriousness to bring to the already serious situation. They only have more absolute arsonist, entrepreneurist behavior, right? At, with the hope that they're gonna get votes from all of this. It's not gonna happen. It's not, Jim Jordan's gonna get in there and there's gonna be some reason he's out. There's going to be a documentary released on him. It's going to be bad, right? This guy is looking at a future of everybody knowing that he's a peeping Tom. They're going to play. Now he's up for the actual target-rich environment where we're finally going to have reporters call him out on the Ohio State scandal, call him out on the fact that he mocked a 10-year-old and called a 10-year-old rape victim a fraud, when in fact it was true what happened to her. All of that's going to come forward to Jim Jordan, and he doesn't have anywhere to go. This is like Donald becoming so high up on the totem pole that he can no longer be a rat and rat out mobsters bigger than him. So he's stuck. He's fucked, and it's funny. It is. It's, we're going to be able to enjoy the fall of this. Our institutions has held. And listen. If Donald John Trump makes his way into the Capitol building, which is obscene, he's just going to slip on the shit of all of his MAGA people who come in there and fling it around and pee on the walls and spit on the floors. Like, like they're not going to desecrate the place. They're already kicking the adults out of the office. Yeah. It's horrendous. I don't want to live through that. Our country is an embarrassment now. Now we're an embarrassment on the world stage. But these people have nowhere to go. They don't have anywhere to go. They're naked. They've never had any clothes. The emperor's never had any clothes. And now we get to laugh at them. We do. And the more we laugh at them, the more they'll melt down and the, and the quicker we will resolve the situation. I'm not worried about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris's safety. They're, they'll be safe. We know how to keep people safe. They're going to be safe. So everything's just going to be this performance ridiculousness. And what is he going to do? He's going to be the speaker from prison. Let's do that. I'm ready. He's going to flee the country and be a speaker of the house from 
North Korea or whatever, whoever gives him refuge, China, China, China. And, and so it's uh, look, I'm making, I'm making the case for this to be a funny thing because it, it has nowhere to go, but continue to dissolve, to continue to dissolve. And then maybe it'll be a relief. The greatest thing about a laugh is how you feel afterwards. You're a little sore if you had a great big laugh. Your stomach hurts. You had a big belly laugh. Maybe you peed the bed. You were laughing so hard. But you feel good. You feel clean. You feel like you got rid of whatever it was that was hanging over you. And that's what our nation needs. I don't have a joke. I'm sorry, guys. But I have that. I think we should look forward to it. I think it's, I think it's funny. I think it's going to be funny for Donald Trump. What's he going to do? He's going to call to order. How are they going to wrangle votes? Imagine wrangling votes. Well, Hakeem Jeffries just sitting there ready with his oration skills, mm-hmm. right? To burn it to the ground. How's he going to grip the, the gavel with those tiny fingers? How's he going to grip that gavel? It's going to slip right out. Yeah. You know, well, the little guy showed him. Remember the <laughs> little guy with the bow tie? Yeah. He was, is he still speaker, acting speaker of the house? I think the guy he's still on, the, on speaker, the little box? Acting yeah. speaker. Yeah. 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 Just to be clear on that guy, I don't care that he's short. I'm short. I care that he's an asshole. I don't care and, that he's short. You know, I, God made him short. God didn't make him wear that horrible bow tie. That's all I have to say about him. Um, that's true. So, I'm, hey, I don't, mean to be, I don't mean to be that way about, you know, physicality. I just think it's like, it is going to be funny to watch all these little buggers running around. I'm sorry. Like it's what going where with nowhere to land, which is their real problem. They don't yeah, know where they're supposed to. Where is the comfort? They can't find it. The dog, the dog caught the car. You know, it's that's what happens yeah. here with Jim Jordan comes in. Um, first of all, just so you know, I uploaded the thing. So we're, we should be good to go. You did. OK. Yeah, I just I did it while you were talking. Yeah. Okay, great. I'm glad okay. I talked along. Um, so you mentioned before we get to the second topic, because I want to I want to move along here. Um, yeah. You know, the writers are back, so therefore there's new shows. Did they're making a new show um, with Jared Kushner as a ventriloquist dummy? Did you hear about this? I didn't hear about this. It's called Saudi Duty. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Greg, Greg with the jokes. Yeah. Thank I was God. told to write jokes. I was told yeah. I was told to write jokes. And you did a great job. Yeah. It's thank not you. easy. It's not easy. All right. All right, Saudi Beauty. Let's move on to our second topic. I have a a very large uh dog in here, by the way, everybody. So that's the noise, but we love him. He's so wonderful. Okay. Okay. All right. Here's our next topic. What is it? Obscene of the crime. You already mentioned it, you know, Trump returning to the scene of the crime of at the Capitol. But like, like there are so many like things that Trump did that are Trump related crime things this week that I made a list and I kept forgetting them. Like I'm like, which one am I forgetting? That oh right, it's this thing, it's that thing, it's you know, there's the he the check, you know, check the box on the law form gate. Or did he do it on purpose or not? You ah, know, you there's that. that. Yeah. There is the gag order that he's supposedly under, and he did take that post down. Um, there is the the um him possibly being the speaker of the house. There's the LLCs that are going to be revealed. And oh, there's who's the, the co ownership in there? Who might they be? I don't know. It might, might be someone. Be? I'm gonna guess that it's someone not from this country. That's just I'm gonna go out on a limb. Here. Gotta go out on a limb. Yeah. Maybe there's some Cyrillic. And you know, look. I think it's responsible for him 
to contact a broker, if you're going to sell nuclear secrets, it's obviously you want the word out to get the highest price for the government, right? Yes. Oh, wait a minute. No, never mind. He was going to keep the money. Sorry. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Maybe that too. So yeah. which one would you like to start with? I have no idea. <laughs> well, let's start with, I did a little thing on like, I immediately thought, oh no, they didn't. They didn't mistakenly forget to check a box when a box was already checked. Come on, everybody. Come on. He, he, it's very difficult to attack a jury. You're attacking 12 people. Nobody knows who those 12 people are. You can't single them out. You don't have their names, really. You're not supposed to release their names. If you do attack them, that's jury tampering. It's, it's intimidation. It's all of this stuff. Uh, it's better if it's just a judge and the judge is judging you and you can sick your crazy <laughs> radicalized army of weirdos and goobers onto dangerous onto a judge and just make it all about the judge because he knows what's coming. He knows what's coming and he's in a panic. This is what I said to you. I said to folks on Twitter, I came onto Twitter with a mm -hmm. hashtag. What was my hashtag? Anybody remember that? Trump owns nothing. Yeah. He does not own any of it. Now, okay, he's a brand. He's been licensing the brand. I don't even know if he knows he owns his name. He owns Kevin McCarthy. He owns Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah. But he might have lost. He might have had to, because of his debts and everything, he might have had to use the value of his name as a brandy thing and actually bring in a co-owner on that license that could keep him afloat. And who knows if he exited that person with all of the money that he and Jared and Ivanka were able to grift off the presidency. Perhaps they were able to pay out some of these people and get them out of their business. I don't think he thought he was ever going to be caught in a way where things would come to the forefront. Mm. And, you know, but there's no way that the boxes were checked wrong. I'm sorry. I don't buy it. Well, he wanted to weaponize attacking a judge. That's what he does. And as soon as everybody wakes up to that, then you understand we're in an information war. This is warfare. There are, there's battle plans. And as, it, until we get hip to that in terms of you and I are, our audience is, but until the broader discourse is in yeah. that conversation, we can't um, properly contextualize these things, predict what's going to happen, call out the lies when they happen. We're all, we'll all just be Kristen Welker sitting there going, well, Mr. President, you know, so I don't want to be Krista. She's lovely and incredible, but I'm not interested in that. I, I you know, I'd like to see these people justice hold these people to uh, to account, and for our fourth estate to then report on that. It would be Those nice. are the facts. We don't know that they just forgot to do something. That's not a fact. You're not reporting the fact. What we know is they didn't. And yeah. we can look at what they're doing with the fact that they didn't, what they're doing with the fact that the judge was checked. Look at what they're doing there. Focus on that and we'll have, we'll have proper coverage of this presidency or post-presidency or yeah. campaign. Criminal or enterprise. Criminal, criminal enterprise. Thank you. Yeah. Criminal enterprise. Yeah. What about you? Um, I think, okay. First of all, I love this judge. One of the one of the interesting things about this whole like seven year you know saga is that these new characters appear that we've never heard of before. Yes. Like the alien cannon chapter, that was like a new bad guy showed up in season six, <laughs> and it's like this 
oh my god, she's awful. And she flamingo uh, dances. It's wonderful. Right. But now this yeah. guy, this this Arthur Erdogan, whatever his name is, that he sounds this last name sounds like the character from from um uh waiting for Godot, right? Estragon. Oh, that's so, true. Yeah. And, and uh anyway, he's he's delightful, but he's also not he's playing hardball, like he's not afraid of Trump. He put the gag yeah. order on. He said, if you don't turn over these LLCs, there's going to be major repercussions. The absolute, and this is, this is what I want to say, the absolute funniest thing that could happen, the best possible outcome here in the next couple of weeks is that Donald Trump, who's under criminal indictment in four different jurisdictions, all of those might lead to jail time, could wind up being sent to jail by the judge in New York in a non-criminal case. That's a civil case. That would be the funniest thing ever. He's and there's not a to, damn thing he can do about he it. He can do it. Well, he could stop. He could stop with his ridiculousness, but he, he can't stop with his bullshit. So, yeah, he he's such a criminal. He can turn a civil thing into the criminal thing. Like, it's like, I, I, God bless him. This might happen. This is in the realm of reality. Yeah, it's, it's in the realm of possibilities. I, I'm, I'm rooting for the judge. Yeah. I am. I'm rooting for the judge, too. I'm rooting for the judge. All right, we should move on because I think I pre- oh yeah, minute 43 but left. No, no, no. We've we, got a lot. We went over on the last time. Okay, hopefully this right. will work. But hang um, on. Let me Yeah, no, I was going to say you want to set Let it me up let everybody know. Okay, so you know we do a lot of media here. We do most of it for the show. But many of you remember when there was media we were making and we've made some since we started the show. That's broader. That's about championing democracy. Um and and you know, now that we have a democratically elected president who is um, on the side of democracy and championing democracy, we can actually be a little bit more political with our videos and sort of champion uh, the, the team that we have. We have a good team in. And so we need to sort of stick it in their civic. So instead of a typical karaoke, we're bringing you a new viral video, we hope. So we're yeah. counting on all of you guys to help us with all sneak, that. Like a sneak. Right. Yeah. But it's it's. I had a particular idea because I was having a very strong reaction to the coverage, as I always do, but the coverage of the presidency. And I just decided, okay, we're going to, we're going to take back the night. We're going to take back the night, dark Brandon style. And then Greg showed up with, um, with some incredible vocal stylings and we had an amazing producer come in and do magic with it. And of course our beloved junk. Yeah. Okay. Ready? So you guys get the first look. Okay, here we go. Last announcement of the night. I am officially announcing I am back. <laughs> Down the ground. 
years old, and if reelected, he would be the oldest president in American history, turning 86 by the end of a second term. When you have private dinner parties, when you go out and at the ice cream place in the summer, him, they do have concerns about his age. There's not a Fortune 500 company in the world looking to hire a CEO in his 80s. Fuck off. 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 <laughs> yeah oh. oh my goodness way okay. to go team yeah and I, yeah. I saw some of your comments everybody you're you're you know clip it because you might not have the length on your twitter listen i have the length on my twitter i kept it um active i know we're not supposed to pay a lot but i want i do these videos so i wanted to be able to post it so i'm gonna post it greg i don't know if you have an expanded account but you do not Okay, so I'm going to post it, and I'll make sure you guys all see it. We'll do it in between this show, and we're going to do an after show. So yeah, we're do after. Um, I'll post it up. I'm going to stick it in some DM groups. Um, if you're not in those DM groups, it's fine. Just grab it from my Twitter feed and or my shitter feed, whatever it's called, and let's get this thing to go as far and wide as we can. Okay. Yeah. I have Good. To, and everybody, the cough was an authentic cough from, from Greg. <laughs> And we kept it in. We'll tell you more about it on the after show. We have yeah, yeah. We'll talk about it on the after yeah. show. We don't want to keep our guests waiting. He's not. waiting long enough. Um, he is the author of Madoff Talks, which is also a wonderful uh, Netflix series, which I encourage everybody to watch uh, who hasn't seen it yet. He has a radio show called Business Talk with Jim Campbell. Jim Campbell, Jim welcome Campbell. back. Yay. Hey, it's it's great to be back on and be able to stay up past my bedtime with uh, you folks. I also have, in honor of SBF, I am wearing shorts. Uh, oh, perfect. To match his sartorial splendor, although his lawyers are having him dress in a suit and a haircut right now. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's a big grown-up moment for him. So, you know. Anyway, since I was on last, we've had uh, 91 criminal counts, four indictments. And as uh, Anthony Scaramucci told me when um, I was on his show, but he calculated that Kevin McCarthy lasted 24 and a half Scaramucci's. Congratulations <laughs> to Kevin McCarthy. Yeah. Well, it's so great to see you again, Jim. Um, so Thank as you. I said, there's been a lot that's happened since we last saw you. Um, catch us up. But we, we wanted you to come on because all the Sam Bankman freed, you know, and all, all that, there's been a lot of financial news and happening and with these kinds of guys and their schemes and whatever they're up to and Elon is up to. And we just haven't been able to keep up with it. So um, what do you want to hit us? Greg, do you want to start with a question or? Yeah, I want to, you know, what, what I'd like to talk about is, you know, there's this guy, I, his name is Sam Bankman-Fried, the, the, which is SBF for short. The yeah. company is called FTX. There's so many letters coming around. I feel like QWERTY is there. Like I don't, I, you know, it's all very crypto and new money and new money. And it's complicated and confusing. Um, although I, I think I do actually grasp what he did because what he did, I think what he's, as I understand it, what he's accused of doing is pretty basically like robbing Peter to pay Paul illegally. But um, I think before we begin or to set us up, just give everybody a little overview of what the deal is here. What is he accused of? Um, okay. Who are the key players? That kind of thing. Just give us an overview. Yeah, you know, uh, crypto looks uh, Byzantine and hard to understand, but what he did um was pretty basic fraud and um and that's what he's been charged with 
if you look at this, um, he's running an exchange called FTX, right, which is doing customer transactions like the New York Stock Exchange would do. But this is for Bitcoin. The same time, he's got this affiliated company called Alameda, which is a hedge fund. And most people don't know that they're connected or that he owns both and or that he turned the exchange into essentially a bank to fund Alameda. Um, and maybe that doesn't sound so bad, except that that was other people's money that was being used to fund Alameda. And as you know, Madoff was guilty of this fundamentally, too. One of the biggest no-nos on Wall Street is commingling customer money with firm money. And in fact, there's a lot of trust involved. None of us would sleep at night if we thought Merrill Lynch was playing around with our money uh, in our account. And essentially, that was what was going on. Now, he comes in and similar to uh, Bernie, he has this um, sort of demeanor that builds trust. In Bernie's case, it was because he was an insider. Um, the SEC trusted him um, as well as, you know, missing five investigations of him. But this guy, SBF, he was altruistic was what he was uh, calling it. And all this money was going to go to good stuff. And he was the only crypto guy calling for regulation. And he was basically giving money to the political parties. In fact, in essence, what he did was steal customer money and use it as collateral for him to spend all kinds of money. $73 million. On his life. On his lifestyle. Yeah. $73, yeah. $73 million to politicians, right? which essentially was bribing to get credibility through politicians the same way Bernie did through regulators, right? Except okay. that um, he paid for it. And there were mainly, uh, mainly Democrats, in fact. $300 million of it went to buy real estate, including nice places for his, uh, his uh, law school professor parents in the Bahamas. That's 300 million bucks. 400 million bucks went into hedge fund investments, including Anthony Scaramucci, which we talked about when he interviewed uh, me. Ooh. $200 million went into other crypto startups. $200 million went into other investments like Robinhood, right? This is over. Where the hell does he have a billion dollars to spend on all this stuff? And okay. this is where his story runs into trouble because his story is the dog ate my homework. I'm this kid. You know, I didn't really know what I was doing. The thing took off. Um, you know, I feel pretty bad about it really don't give a shit actually, but I got to pretend I care about this. And, but look at what this dog did, because this was one smart dog. The first thing he did was they programmed the system so that moving money from customers in FTX to, uh, uh, you know, SBF and Alameda was able to be done through a back door and was not traced uh, on the computer. The second thing he did, which, which is even sleazier, is he's using $1.3 billion of customer, of customer money just for loans for himself. He stole $8 billion overall from customers. $1.3 billion he uses collateral for loans. He had the system program, the dog, to not charge <laughs> interest even in the money he's stolen from his customers. Um, so essentially, they were, they were just he was using the money... Um, uh, for free. And if I added up all those things I just told you, they're close to the billion dollars that he borrowed from his customers okay, uh, and stole. So essentially, these things are garden variety fraud. Yeah, you know, They're not highfalutin. Who the heck understands this? It feels like the savings and loan 
scandal all over again to me, but with this crypto crap. Well, right? it's, it's such it's much more brazen stealing. Um, you oh. know, when you basically take the money and um, you know, eight billion dollars um, of customer money is a huge amount of money. Um, the the business was worth about thirty six billion, right? So he vaporized thirty six billion, took eight billion from customers directly. Bernie vaporized sixty five billion, depending on which number you want to use. And um, so they start to look, you know, in scale. Um, now the other thing is that he did the scan the stuff that he did makes Bernie look a little bit minor leagueish in the sense that Bernie ran a Ponzi scheme, and that's it. Okay, his legitimate customers, the FTX equivalent, never stole a penny from, always treated them right, always put the customer interest first. So right off the bat, that's worse. Um, the second thing is, um, how did SBF support the collateral, right? Because when he stole that money and moved it over here to borrow, that meant the, the Bitcoin had to stay constant in value, right? Because as soon as the value goes down, they're going to call all those loans in. Okay. So now we go over. How did, how did that stabilize? Their, their, did... their token was called FTT. That's the current, the Bitcoin currency of SBF. Okay. Okay. So the question is, how did he keep that current? And the, and the way he did it was likely market manipulation. Again, something that Bernie didn't do. And part of it, the allegations were that he destabilized competitive um, coins, if you will, right? So that his coin would stay stable and become a safe harbor. Now, hopefully that's not too confusing, but just- okay. can, this can we take a pause here so I can ask you some, so we can come in there, but I want you to finish your, finish your conclusion. And then I want to be able to follow, because there's so much you just unpacked there for us. Yes. That's actually new to me. And so I have some, a couple clarifying. So we're like, cause this is incredible, <laughs> Jim. So first of all, I just want to go back to how old is he? Is he a kid? I would say he's in his 30s. I think he's 32. Yeah. Okay, 32. He's not a kid. He's not. He's young, but he's not a kid. Um, secondly, he, you said back doors and things. It sounds like there's, is this an exchange that's sophisticated uh, technologically? Where, where did he get whatever he needs technically to run what he was running? It just required somebody to program uh, the system so that the transfers could happen without um, being exposed. And, and is that something that like one individual can come up with? Is he some kind of inventive, creative just, mastermind or? It's, it's just writing a program. It's just a, guy, a programmer that knows. Right. Now, he had to get somebody uh, to do that. In fact, folks inside started to see some of this stuff. Okay. And some of them were going to become whistleblowers and then he paid them off not to. Where did he get it? Is he saying that he coded all of this? Where did he get it? I don't, I don't know if he coded it personally, but he had it coded. Um, mm. And the thing is that you got to remember on the top sheen, people didn't realize that Alameda and FDX were really one entity. Right. I get it. Yeah. Run, run by his girlfriend who didn't know what she was doing. And um, you put you, you just put it all together and it, it, it's a lot more than a dog ate, a dog ate his homework. Right. So let, me, let, me tell you let me tell you something. Yeah. You're talking about that $8 billion being lost. Yeah. Somebody did uncover that all of a sudden, $4 million, it's a small number, right? $4 million of customer money had disappeared. 
and they went to SBF, right? Mr. Altruistic, it's the dog ate the homework. And he told them, don't do anything about it. Hopefully we'll find it at some point. And that started to get people inside, you know, pretty. Oh, Steve. He's paying somebody. I, it just feels like you got a, you got a, a, a guy who's in his thirties, but pretending to be a kid who doesn't seem to have any kind of executive functioning skills, but maybe he can do this one thing. Okay. And a girlfriend who doesn't even know what she is like, like these people seem like fronts. Like what is, it just doesn't seem like they can pull the, and obviously they're caught. It's not like they pulled it off, but they did pull it off. They got billions and billions of dollars from people. Now Bernie got people from, he had real clients. He had real, you know, people with their estates their family estates. There were communities who were aware of him that gave them, you know, there was a big fund out here, an entertainment fund that gave it to him to invest. So he had relationships with people and those relationships, you could add them up and he had clients and you could add them all up and the money, you could see where the money came from. It came from actual people. Is all this money actually coming from actual people or is the source of the money mysterious as well? Um, well, it's a mixture of that, but let me tell you something. Um, when we talked about all the red flags that were missed by Madoff, right? Yeah. Um, and and you're talking about, well, what's going on here? They had no, no financial system, no controls. He was running it on QuickBooks, right? Which is what you run your neighborhood, you know. Sam, uh, Bernie or Sam Bankman Free? We're talking about Sam Bankman Free. He okay. was running this on QuickBooks. On QuickBooks. And um, so in other words, there's no yeah, control. But here's, here, here's, here's where this is damning because it's another failure in due diligence. BlackRock, Sequoia, SoftBank. You're talking about who are these guys that had money with him? All of those guys put money into FDX and apparently never bothered to look whether he even had a way of tracking the money. Now, also in there, you've got a lot of individuals, right? There's all these those people have private equity, though. So like, that's we had private equity. You had those, those funds I just told you about. And then you were asking who else you had a lot of individuals, right? Who yeah. are chasing after what they think is um, um, essentially a confidence game, right? That there's okay, that there's anything behind um, Bitcoin, which there's not, there's no store of value, so it's not really a currency the way that you know people are hoping to. I'll tell you another interesting thing about him is the nerd factor and they're trying to sell this in the trial that he's a math geek and a nerd and you know blah 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 using quickbooks yeah and um so let's say let's say he is a math nerd he's his big thing was expected value and all that means is making bets on probabilities which makes a lot of sense right but the bets he made made no sense and he's supposed to be a math genius and it's it's the equivalent of, to make it simple, if I said I'm going to give you, um, if you invest 100000 bucks with me, there's a 20% chance you're going to double your money. There's a 60% chance you're going to lose all your money. That's a terrible bet, isn't it? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that he believes in. Um, this Michael Lewis's book, which I have not read, goes into this apparently in detail, this tremendous optimism that makes his whole math geekness look crazy. And by the way, Madoff had the same issues on trading too. He couldn't take losses, right? So he behaved irrationally and it it, it blew into the uh it blew into what it did blow into. I guess I'm just um it's just a story that doesn't add up. Speaking yeah. of math, James, it doesn't add up. So um I 
you know, I, I are we ever going to find out who all of the money that was given to him, where it came from, the list of people? Yeah, let me let me just uh, finish off the EV story because the ultimate yeah. the ultimate story there on making bad bets. Why the hell would he go to trial? It is absolutely crazy. The top three executives in the firm have all admitted to fraud. All are going to speak against him. You've seen the evidence of it. And he's going to a trial. And he's going to get 20 years minimum. Now, the only strategy that I can even fathom is they're going for one juror. They're going to try and get one juror to say, you know what? This guy meant well. He's just a young clown. He, he thought he was running a Starbucks and it ended up being, you know, General Motors. And how do you expect him, you know? But this is a guy that's selling himself as a math nerd and he's making the worst decisions that you could possibly make. He's absolutely crazy to be going to trial. Yeah. He is, I think he is charming from yes. from the accounts. Like I I read, I didn't read the Michael Lewis book either. I think there's there's apparently issues with the Michael Lewis book. Is so what so I was Bernie, yeah. by the way. Yeah, yeah. Charming guy, you know, at Michael Lewis, apparently when the first time he met the guy was blown away by him, like liked him instantly, yeah. wanted to talk to him. And all these guys, he also brought all these people into his orbit. Cause remember he's being, he, he hired like Tom Brady and Steph Curry and Larry David and all these to be in the ads. Mm -hmm. And now they're all in trouble because they've endorsed this shit product. $55 million dollars to Brady for about 30 minutes of work a year. Yeah. Oh. And that's just buying the, the influence in a sense, right. you know, just um, watching it. Yeah. Uh, not okay. just, you know, advertising, but it's also making him look cool, I guess is what I'm saying. So yeah, that he probably thinks, yeah, I can get away with this. Look at what I've done. I, you know, I've, I've managed to convince these people. So yeah, Jim, I think you're right about the, the juror thing. Um, that, that seems uh, logical. Now, what about his parents? Cause it seems like there's other people that might get touched here. What, what do you make of them? Well, first off, I'm a little disappointed when I heard um, his father, who's a professor at um, Stanford Law School um, and was getting consulting fees. Um, and he thought he was going to get like $10 million and he got $200,000 in this one case. And he's complaining to his son for why he's not. He said, this is a law school professor. Why he isn't getting millions of dollars from this, uh, you know, this uh, bank that the, the guys uh, created. Wow. And instead, um, SBF bought him millions of dollars of real estate in the Bahamas. Uh, so I don't think much of his parents, to be honest. Plus, they were behind the whole strategy of buying politicians. And by the way, he's also uh, one of the charges is a violation of federal election laws. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, listen, yeah. my, my, uh, my other half, my husband has a saying of like, when I look around at these young people, who are behaving so terribly and so badly is like, uh -huh. why are all these, where are all these shits, little shits come from? And my husband says they're coming out of assholes. <laughs> so there you go. You know, something that disappoints me too, is that um, you know, I'm getting old at 68, but you go back to IBM and the next generation, Microsoft, um, Apple, and these guys who, who created these companies, they were ruthless, right? There's no doubt about that. But they were fundamentally ethical. And what bothers me, so the crypt, we're now in crypto, young generation, high tech, brilliant people, uh, very innovative technology. And there seems to be no ethics. All these guys, no. every one of these is criminal. Do you know that Tether is, an, is the equivalent of FTT for another 
uh, Bitcoin company, right? In other words, their currency is called Tether. They were using criminal gangs in Cambodia to text Western people to try to sell these Bitcoin scam stuff. Um, you know, just like you get the stuff from, you know, uh, Africa and things like that. Yeah. And we these, have a, these we have are a heroes. This isn't the, the entrepreneurial heroes of, of no. how we grew up with, whether Tom Watson or Bill Gates or no. um, Steve Jobs, you know, none of which are, I admit they're all very, very ruthless human beings. But in many cases, there was at least an ethical foundation uh, behind it. And I say my father just passed away. I oh, dedicated I dedicated my book, um, and it's to Dad, who gave me the moral foundation that Bernie Madoff so sorely lacked. Hmm. And if Fred Trump had met my father, Donald might not have been such a monster either. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Got a bravo from the peanut gallery. Yeah, bravo from the peanut gallery. Bravo, um, bravo, Tim. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The whole. You want to hear about uh, oligarchs trying to kill me, or yeah, yeah no. we want to hear about the oligarchs trying to kill you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk about bad parenting. You know, um, <laughs> who were their parents? Just uh, this all it relates to it relates to Jamie Dimon too. You know, he's the CEO of J.P. Morgan, and he called me the day after. Um, uh, the Netflix premiered because J.P. Morgan gets the shit kicked out of him in the book, even worse than the movie. And by the way, I like Jamie. So anyway, um, he calls me and he and, you know, Jamie is very staccato and he's very direct. So he started going boom, 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 boom. This is where he was attacking me on the movie. And within 30 seconds, I said, the guy does the guy. I know, I know much more than this guy. And I started interrupting him. And within a minute, he gave up and he started asking me questions. Um, and that will lead to this story, which is great. He'd heard that some firm and some bank in Europe had done something with custodianship. And he, he wanted to know if that was true or not. Um, and this is this is the depth of Bernie's scandal, how bad this was. Mm. A major European bank. I don't want to mention its name. It's HBC. Um, <laughs> HSBC, I think it is, whatever it is. HSBC. Canadian, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Sonia Cohn ran the biggest European fund in Austria, which was filled with oligarch money, Colombian drug lord money, and um, custodian. It's, it's nothing personal, Jim. It's just business. Yeah. The yeah. custodial firm for her fund was HSBC, a well-regarded, not really, but a big bank. Um, they're big drug money laundering. Um, and uh, in any event, um, so people... Innocent people say, oh, so the money is being held by HSBC. No problem. And J.P. Morgan had some money in that fund for a different reason, okay? Okay. J.P. Morgan starts to um, smell something's wrong. Now, do they come to the U.S. and warn all their clients? Well, no, they, did. they skipped over that part. But they wanted to get their own money out of that fund. The Colombian drug lords threatened J.P. Morgan. That's when J.P. Morgan went to the regulatory authority in the U.K. That's the first time that anybody went to the regulatory authority. But here's the here's what what, what turns out to be true. That custodianship by HSBC was delegated to a bank they owned in the Cayman Islands. Right. Sub what do you think that bank custodianship did with the uh, assets? Tell me. They put this. They took the sub sub custodianship back to. Bernie Madoff. There you go. So in other words, there was no custodian and the HSBC um, 
you know, was portrayed as doing that. A lot of people, that's why they left their uh, their money there. Jamie did not know which who the bank was and what the whole story was. So I took him through that, right? Now, my own piece of that was um, I had I had all of Bernie's contact uh, information. So I had the phone numbers for every one of these investors all over the world. Oh. And I was told, <laughs> so I had Sonia Cohen's cell phone number. And I was told, if you call her, you will be killed. And so I used to go back and forth. By who? By who? Did they tell you by who? Well, every. If you call her, you'll be killed. Colombian, by... drug, Colombian drug lords threatened. The Colombian drug lords. Okay. No, there were Eastern oligarchs. There were Russian oligarchs. There were Colombian drug lords. Pick whichever one you want. Imagine um, that. Yeah. Well, there was also there was also Borgias, wasn't she a Medici? Isn't that what she is? Wasn't that the name well, of yeah, her bank? Yeah. Her, her um, bank, Medici, was the name of the bank. One of the yeah. guys, yeah. We're, we're smiling, but this is a sad story. No, it's a very, it's horrible. This, um, gentleman who fought for the British um, in all the British wars, which I didn't realize how many there were since uh, in the 70s and 80s. He retires, right? And he's told, got to give your money to Bernie. He's a great guy. Puts his money with Bernie. Saw the bank Medici building, which was from 1400s, and was yeah. saying, "My God, this is this is so secure." Well, she'd only formed the bank, and you know, 15 years before, and was in the building. Right? He lost his entire savings three weeks after he retired from the um, from the British Army, and he shot himself in a park in London. Yeah. So, uh, there but anyway, there's been a lot of deaths around number. the Bank of Medici. There's been a lot of deaths, uh, a lot. And a lot of them did happen in the 70s and 80s and 90s. Um, it, it's a it's a rough it's a rough uh, it's a rough laundromat. It is, and you know, you Harry Markopoulos laundromat. Harry yeah. Markopoulos gets laughed at. He's the original whistleblower because he thought that the SEC was going to assassinate him on a corner in Boston, and he mm. got a weapon and everything. Now that's a little crazy, but he got exposed over in Europe to what was going on, and then he realized that's real. Those guys, you know, could kill. Oh, yeah. Him. yeah. And um, so anyway, I was told if I called her, I would get killed. And so my wife wouldn't let me call. Um, <laughs> sometimes call she was sometimes pissed at me. She'd say, call her now, you know. I would happy to call her for you. I don't have a problem with that. I'll give I you the number right here on air. Why don't know? Why don't all you? Oh, uh, pick it up. The Israeli spy will pick it up if you do that, just like Donald Trump did to Lindsey Graham. I used okay. to call her on my cell phone. Okay. Um, I've been, I've been, what's this Jesse Waters business? You want it? You, yeah, you, you had a Jesse Waters. Jesse Waters. Talked about going on before the, uh, you know, uh, before the, uh, you know, 10, 12 seconds, 15 seconds. We're just about to go on the air. So anyway, Jesse Waters is a host of a Fox show at 7 p.m., right? Mm -hmm. And it is the number one cable show at 7 p.m. In, in the history of television, 5 million viewers. Wow. Anyway, he has been told or whatever that Bernie chose to go to prison because the mob was going to kill him. And I had just written a book on this, so they wanted me to come on and went through my PR firm. And I told her, well, let me tell you something. That story is complete bullshit. And I'm not going to go on and bullshit on Fox. If they want me on, that's fine. But I, I'm not telling that story. So they said, we want you anyway. And um, so they, what they they tell me, okay. We, we're going to send a news truck to your house. You'll go out in the street and you'll do your segment with Jesse. On the street. So wait. So now we're, we're, we're 40 minutes before going live on, on national TV, 5 million people. He hasn't showed up. Then I, we get a call. Oh, the truck was taken. It's not available. He's just going to come do it in your living room. So we're now 10 minutes 
before going live and he comes in and I said, well, first off, am I the last segment or something? No, no, you're the lead story. And we're like 10 minutes. Okay. So they put these, uh, the thing in your ears, you know, and, and my hearing is bad. It's huge no garbled noise. I can't, I can't understand a word of what's being said. And Jesse's ranting and raving. Um, and I said, I can't hear anything. And we're down 30 seconds and I'm going to be the lead story. 5 million. I got McGraw Hill and Netflix on my back, you know, and I am literally cannot hear a single thing. And the guy, um, so I'm shitting in my, actually, I was totally relaxed about it because I couldn't do anything. What can you do? You know, it's also, it's not terrible to not hear him. The Let's producer, see. I mean, the guy with the camera was brilliant. He goes, he took somehow the feed uh, from, from the ear thing and put it to my phone, put the speaker on and put it in my lap. Yeah. And Amazing. I had PTSD the next day. I wasn't oh. really sure away because it was, I had no time. But the next day I said, holy shit. What I just happened? Gonna, what, would, what, what would I have done on national air? Uh, I have no idea what you're saying. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I literally have they nightmares. Were, they were very nice to me. I have to, uh, uh, I have to say, if and he did not make me lie because I said, I'm not, you know, I, obviously I want to go before 5 million people, but I'm not going to come on and tell you that story is true because it's complete bullshit. It wouldn't be great if you just said that. Yeah. That's bullshit. That's that. Yeah, yeah. Let, me, let me tell you something though, how scary all this crypto stuff is because okay. I talked about, and I haven't talked about it here, but one of the real negative things about crypto right now is if you go to the dark web, 70% of the dark web transactions are done by Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is facilitating drug, sex trade, terrorism, right. um, money laundering. That's okay, right. that's, not, that's not good stuff, right? No. So anyway, I'd say this to Jesse. He, he did want to hear that kind of stuff um, uh, about the truth behind Bitcoin and everything. We're off the air, whatever the segment. I'm over off like 707 or something, starting 7. Twitter, whatever Elon calls it now, all the crypto nuts are assassinating me. It's, I mean, I've never been attacked, right? And they're all over me saying, I'm making up statistics. It's not true. I'm crazy. You know, what is Fox doing? Get this guy off the fucking show, you know? And it was yeah. pretty jarring because I have never been through that. Oh, welcome. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> I have not, so. Welcome to the, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's yeah. it's not fun. Yes, but I'm yeah. proud I did it. I'm proud I did it. Seventy percent of that was those aren't. It wasn't real. It was just put through a thing. You know, the, it's there's a lot at stake with crypto. There's a lot of, um, you know, there are a lot of people, a lot of criminals uh, using it, and they don't want it to go away, and they don't want it to crash. It's it's been a good run for them. So, um, what you know, you're going to get attacked if you call it out for what it is. You yeah, just I mean, you, yeah. you know the. The idea that the currency backed by the federal government of the United fucking states is somehow less than this weird thing that's backed by, I guess, what, the Russian mob? And it's not even tangible? Like, and it depends on, like, power, electricity grids and these things. And the it's just really dumb. I mean, if well, you just you stop know, and think about what it is, it's stupid. Currency, cur a currency is nothing more than a confidence game, right? Yeah. At one point... We were backed by gold, right? But now it's the full faith and obligation of the U.S. government. And I don't even know what that means anymore. But as soon as the confidence goes away, you're left only with con. And that's all Bitcoin is, is a con game right now until there's something real behind it. Now, I will say blockchain technology I like because blockchain yeah. underlay, underlays the Bitcoin. 
because that can break the monopoly of the credit card companies because they can do transaction processing much cheaper um, and, and, and it can be decentralized, right? And so there's potential with blockchain that there is not with Bitcoin as a currency. With crypto yeah. as a currency. Okay. Crypto, yeah. yeah. Um, I like wow. that. Yeah, and everything's a confidence game. Even I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell a short thing about Rome now because men think about Rome all the time, according to the New yes, York Times. You, and you I, are the man. I no, think I was reading this thing where when Aurelian became the emperor uh, of Rome after the you know the age of chaos in the mid third century, the the silver coinage had been debased to such a degree that you know during the age of Augustus it was ninety something. And at this point, it was 2% silver. So they were these little crappy coins. And yeah. he was like, we're going to make it 5% silver. And he thought he was doing a good thing by making it 5% silver because it's obviously better. But all that he did is make everyone be like, wait a minute, this coin isn't real silver? What the fuck? And, you know, what, what's the saying that, you know, good money chases out bad? So he caused this horrible inflationary thing because he just didn't realize that most of even then most of what made the economy go was faith in these coins. Well, Whether they were silver or what the percentage is, it didn't really matter. It was just that the government was backing them. So it's, you know, it's, this goes me, back a long way, is my point. Let me tell you something, too, that's kind of sad, too, about this is, um, and I'm going to sound cynical, but in a way, you can make crime pay um, because of the way the system works. And I'll give you a big example. Um, Steve Stevie Cohen is the owner of the New York Mets. Mm -hmm. You guys know that? And he's run a big hedge fund. Um, when he was indicted, uh, when his firm was indicted by Preet Bharara, calling it the biggest insider trading scheme in the history of Wall Street. Okay. Wow. And do you know what his penalty in the end was? He's worth fifteen billion dollars, right? Yeah. And he was a massive insider trader. Goldman Sachs was getting four hundred million dollars a year in commissions to execute these trades. So they didn't have a lot of incentive to be looking too closely if he was trading off inside information or getting it um, from places on the street. Here's what ended up happening to him. A $2 billion fine and suspended from managing public money for two years. He's, oh back, back, he's back managing. That's nothing. Now, that's it, I that's his you, approach. If, that's if I told you I'll give you $15 billion and you have to pay a tax of $2 billion on that, you're going to take that deal anytime. And that's yeah. what it is. And a lot of these kinds of Ponzi schemes and things like that, it's a million bucks. They don't end up ever paying back the million bucks and often never no. going to jail. So. No. Yeah. I, I thought you were going to say the punishment was that he had to own the Mets because that would be awful. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, on, and on that note, I want to show the book here. Thank you. Again, this is called uh, Madoff Talks. It's really excellent. And, um, you know, this I was around when this happened, but it was a while ago. And it's it's a very good book. Um, you had really great access to people that I that, I'll, you know, other reporters just didn't have. And uh, the book is terrific. The Netflix series is fantastic. Um, so, you know, and and easy. to. It's a couple of episodes. It's I, I encourage everybody to watch it. It's really right. well done. And and you're in it. You're in part of it, which is which is also. I, I'm in each of the four episodes. I even yeah. drop an F bomb in one of them. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Um, is, Joe Berlinger is the director, number one true crime, done uh, Jeffrey Epstein, Whitey Bulger. Um, great, great director. He's done a great job with it. He's very true to the book, too. And, and I think the book is a, a fun read. Um, and, and you'll also find out how fucked up the regulatory system is, Wall Street. 
Yeah, yeah not, so it's not funny. It's a little foggy. It's, it's, it's not a funny, funny that way. Um, yeah. A lot of people wiped out too. Let's be, you know. That's yeah, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, Jim Campbell, where can we find you? You're on the Twitters, the 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 shitters, whatever it's yeah, called. Jim Jim O Campbell, I believe, is my name there. Madoff Talks book is our website, uh, which will also hook up to all the uh, radio and podcast on uh, on my shows. Oh, as well as I said, if anybody there has the book and wants a signed book plate to go in, the, just DM me and I will send it to you. It raises the value on eBay. <laughs> oh, wonderful! <laughs> and if you guys want to give one away too, just let me know where to where to send it and who to send With it. To. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I've already read it, Stephanie, several times, right? <laughs> I read it. Want more Christmas? Christmas. I love being coming. on. You guys, you guys oh, are uh, you guys are great. I have to say one thing though. Yeah. On the on the Trump being temporary speaker, we were kind of laughing about it. But think about this. If he gets that job temporarily, he is going to drive the impeachment of Joe Biden through that's while he's running for president. And that scares the that scares yeah. just the Jesus out of me because he will get him. He will get that. I mean, it'll end up looking like two like he's created. He's the same level criminal, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. I wonder, you know, it, it's it's kind of scary to think that. Now, of course, he can do it from behind the scenes to which he is. Um, but, you know, these are pathetic people. When I hear that they threw Nancy um, Pelosi and Steny Stoyer out of their suites the minute that Kevin went down. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty bad. I pulled funny out of a hat, but the truth is we're fucked. I think Greg won that debate. <laughs> and I think you. I think you sealed it. Yeah. I didn't win that debate. It's just, we played as a game, but we're pretty fucked. It's terrible. All right, Jim, there is your Twitter. Everybody can follow Jim. You can find all things Jim through his Twitter, through social media. Send us a little thing. And uh, we do have a a sub stack going where people can chat and make requests, make a request in there. If you want a book from Jim. Yeah. We'll figure figure something out. His word. And see, because I know that he's a man of integrity, thanks to his dad. What was your dad's name, Jim? What was, what was your dad's name? name? You brought up your dad. My last name? Your dad. No, your, fa- your father. Your father. Your oh, dad. Thank you very much. We just I just did his eulogy a week and a half ago. Uh, Melford Campbell, great story. His grandmother was thrown out of Russia by the Bol- Bolsheviks. He went to England, uh, came over after the war, and um, helped build all states international business. Uh, uh, my idol, my hero, a tremendous human being, a, a level of integrity and civility that I couldn't even pretend it. I have, I have got about a tenth of the class that he had. Oh, give it up for Melford Campbell. Yeah, thank you very much. That's very nice. Yeah, yeah. love you guys. You guys are great. We to love you. Honored to come. Nice Jim. to see you. Enjoy the weekend. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Oh, right. I he's love him so much. I love. No, him. he's great. He's great. Yeah, now he's I feel so caught great. up with this with this Sam Bankman. I do. I feel, I feel informed. I feel yeah. that there's still many many shoes to drop if we can ever get to them. Um, what we'll see. I, I mean, we're going to have to bring him back on because something's still amiss there. There's there's some missing yeah. things hiding back there. Um, and I'm, I'm very curious, but definitely more informed. He's so grateful to have a guest like that. That comes in with yeah. all that knowledge. It's just fantastic. I love it. All right. What is our fourth okay, it's topic? We're going to move on. We're going to move on. We're going to move on. Start the timer. I'm starting it. I'm starting okay. it. Okay. We have to talk about Ukraine a little bit. I, I, I wrote about it today. I had Zarina Zabriskie, our friend, on my podcast. Yeah. I talked to her on Tuesday. 
Um, she's in Kherson in, you know, southeastern Ukraine, and she's one of only two journalists that are there. And what's happening there is that the Russians are basically trying to level the city. You know, yeah. they're just systematically they're blowing up. Yeah, like they yeah, they're blowing up apartment buildings, you know, churches, um, you know, hotels, places where regular people live and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's horrifying. And, you know, why are they doing this? There, there's no reason. Like Zarina said, like these people are psychopaths. Putin's a psychopath. We're never going to understand, really. We can have our, you know, oh, it's he wants to expand the empire and he is afraid of NATO. It's all bullshit. The guy's crazy and he's evil. He's and that's just he's how it goes. Yeah. So, you know, so I know people are. He can't, he can't come out of this. So he's just got to go all the way. Yeah. And go ahead. So, you know, people are. Yeah, I know people get, you know, Ukraine fatigue or whatever and, and in the country, maybe, or they're tired of hearing about it. But it's been going on now. In February, it's going to be two full years. And, you know, the tide is turning there because of the help that the West is giving Ukraine. And if we had given more help earlier, maybe it, we would be farther along in the process. But I think that um, I think Biden really had to play this very, very carefully because as you recall, Donald Trump spent four years trying to break NATO and Biden had to reassemble NATO. He had to deal with, you know, very different, you know, countries in Europe that have varying views on what to do, that are dependent on Russia for their energy needs, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And he's done it pretty masterfully. It's a it's a hard needle to thread and he's threaded it. But we're at a point now where Ukraine needs the aid. We're sending yeah, over yeah. these new weapons. We finally decided to do it that will give the Ukrainians the capability to hit Crimea which they have not been able to do before with long range missiles. So they've done sabotage operations and drones and they, you know, they blew up some stuff in the, the black sea fleet, um, which the Russians leased from Ukraine, even before this, the Russians have been in at Sevastopol for centuries because yeah. they leased it from Ukraine. So for them to have that, that fortress being shook is really a big deal. And all they can do in retaliation is say, we're just going to wipe you out, you know, so I bring this up because it's it's important from a humanitarian standpoint, but also because when the Republicans shut down the government or try to, when they throw monkey wrenches into the government, they're doing it. Why? It's always about Ukraine with these people. You know, it was in what, 2015 when Kevin McCarthy said to Paul Ryan, you know, there's only two people I think Putin pays. Right. Rohrabacher and Trump. What were they talking about? They were talking about Ukraine. That's right. Fine. There was one plank changed in the Republican Party platform in 2016. What did it involve? Ukraine. Yeah. They changed it to make it more pro-Russia. There, there were two peace plans during that whole transition period, the campaign, the transition period that they were. Right. They had yeah. all kinds of characters, including Eric Prince, like getting in there and trying to get in front of anybody. Uh, you know, and Michael Cohen had a peace plan and like uh, all of it was about a Ukraine peace plan. But what that was code for is. Just let Russia take what they want, and we're going to call it a peace plan. Yeah. So it's this has been the number one focus of Vladimir Putin's control over the Republican Party and Donald and yes. all of these agitators uh, uh, for the last, what, seven years now? This has been it. This is it. This is it. And uh, so they're going to go for it. I, I, I I wanted to, I saw Lawrence O'Donnell Donald last night and I want to give a shout out to Lawrence O'Donnell for always being fantastic, right? Always like keeping 
uh, his sort of laser focus on the traders, as you call them, mm -hmm. and and bringing folks on. And he had Sean Penn on for Sean Penn's documentary Superpower, which is because he went there, he could kind of tell this was happening. This is from uh, at the right before the war and then through the war um, and created that relationship with Zelensky and documented it. I, I'm, there were some clips that were shown that were so compelling to me, but one was of a young man saying, talking about the unity, talking about how the kinds of things that as Americans, we've should be us, <laughs> should be our understanding of of one another and what our citizenry is about and what we are individually as part of that citizenry as part of Americans. And here it's coming out of the mouths of these Ukrainians with such purity and clarity mm -hmm. um, for their country, for their nation, not in this warped, diseased, nationalist way, but in the way of saying, well, look, he's going to have, we're so united. He's going to have to kill all of us. That's what he's going to have to do. It is a genocide and he's going to have to go all the way. And the fact that that's likely not going to happen and they can say that's that's the that's the battleground. That's where they're stopping him. Yeah. You're not going to take us all. You can't do it. And in that they feel safe in that they have hope and in their unity, in their identity of who they are, what they were born into in that or came to um, live into and take pride in, in that, like Zarina, right? In that unity is complete strength. Yeah. Yeah. So no wonder the attack, which those Republicans, Kevin McCarthy and Paul Ryan, and those Republicans were talking about with the, oh, it's, it's Trump and uh, Warbucker during the campaign, they got recorded that thing they were talking about around Ukraine, it was what they were talking about was the asymmetrical attacks with propaganda, sowing division in Ukraine, that yep. the whole goal of, it, goal of it was to divide because that's the ball game. If you can divide a, a people against themselves so that there's not, you know, the adversaries are not outside, right? You create adversaries, you manifest adversaries, not that they had to be outside ever, but you're manifesting adversaries with one another, with, with people who are born into something together or freely engaging in something together because of their own free will and agency, because of what they want for themselves and the future for their children. That's what America was. You can sow division there between us. You can split families apart. You can split communities apart. You win the war. Yeah. And all of that is done with words. Nobody's, yeah. nobody's firing a gun over here. I mean, they are. They've got plenty of guns. But this is this talk, even the talk of civil war that's divisive. It's just words at this point until it becomes violence. Yes. You can't get to the violence without the words first. And that's what Paul Ryan and Kevin McCarthy were discussing is what they were seeing the propaganda campaign. They were seeing the words that were coming out, the fake news sites that were launched by Russian Federation into Ukraine that created that division and instability and stoked the violence with the little green men so that Crimea could be pulled away. 
and we did nothing. So we need to do everything now because yep. it's a cancer and it's, it's coming a, for us. It's a global fight against fascism. I mean, that's what it exactly is. And you can see is. every day, all of the fascism scholars and the people who study this stuff are all pants on fire. And, you know, that that's that's there's a reason for that, because all of the signs are there. And this business with Trump and doing the thing and, you know, it every day there's some bullshit, that stupid alien cannon you know, whatever. Why is Steve Bannon not in prison right now? He was convicted. He's supposed to go to jail. Why is he not in jail? I don't know. It's fucking corrupt. Because he's a propagandist and we can't yeah. touch them because it's not supposed to be real when yeah. that's actually a weapon of warfare. Yeah. Um, you so know, again, I Alex Jones naming him, I'm going to say this, Alex Jones naming his show Infowars uh, was the was quite a offensive bullshit strike on what mm. Uh, some very bad actors, even behind him, knew they were going to bring and and what was going to descend on us. So that anytime you start talking about information warfare, you sound like a consp crazy conspiracist. Right. Yep. But it's real. Information warfare is real. It's real warfare. Propaganda yeah. works, or it wouldn't be the, a science. It comes out of military intelligence agencies, specifically devoted to those divisions to cooking up mimetics and semantics that can work together to brainwash people, to move them, to reframe reality. So yep. we, need to, we need to treat it seriously. It's been happening since at least the Crusades. Um, but again, just to hammer home this point, it's a tale of two cities because it's Kherson and it's Washington, D.C. And the Republicans who were um, calling for no aid to Ukraine, which is the main thing that they wanted by shutting down the government, they're helping Putin. That's what they're doing. It's overtly what they're doing. Overt. And they have bullshit excuses for it, but they're all wrong. And well, make all... sure it gets done, don't, didn't they, Greg? They made sure that aid, of all the other stuff. That was the only thing that mattered. Sure that was Because all why? Because, you know, Putin, I, somebody wrote this on, on one of the things, and it was a meme, and I don't know who it is. But they said the reason Republicans hate Zelensky so much is because he didn't surrender to Putin like they did. And I think that's, Ooh, that's the key. Isn't that's that good? A, that's yeah. good. Yeah. And yeah. it's true. You know, this guy, this psychopath owns them all. And it doesn't need not be that way. You know, yeah. it, it, all it takes is like eight Republicans now to come join Hakeem Jeffries and we'll get some shit done. We'll see. That would be amazing. Yeah. There, I, think it, that's our, I think that's a wish and a dream. And I think we've got to just survive and get to the next election. And, work our asses off yeah uh, it's going to be scalise i think um you know that's what it's going to be david uh, what did he call himself david duke without the baggage that's david his duke, own yeah. quote for himself that's Wonderful. he said it privately he said it privately though so oh oh it's private oh yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 right. nobody saw that okay yeah all right announcements right. i already started announcements we're doing an after hours that's the big announcement uh the Substack page seems to be working people are finding it i think everybody's signed up if there's any problems let me know um, you know, like I, I said, apologize we, for not interacting. I will be better about that. I've just been, it's, I'm on the, I'm on an epic sort of trip here. Yeah. So it's, yeah. you know, we want to get it all organized so that, um, when the great Elonification happens and, uh, Elon does to Twitter, you know, Elon's doing to Twitter what Putin is doing to like, you know, Kherson basically just ruining it deliberately for no purpose other than to ruin it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's sad and it's awful and it should never have been allowed to happen, but 
you know, here we are. So we're going to provide that uh, for you. Do you have any other announcements? Well, it's not really an announcement, but I, I just want to let folks know that the other thing that happened this week, because I've shared with people before stories of my absolutely epic woman of the, for the ages, mother-in-law. Um, who was uh, well into her 90s and passed away during our show uh, last Friday. So that's why I had to run off. But um, I just want to give a shout out to her because she I wrote her, I wrote her eulogy. Um, and just in writing it was struck by what a, just an extraordinary woman she, she was. So I'll share her name. Her name is Rosalind Koff. She was an, uh, a child prodigy uh, pianist. And went to Juilliard School and met her husband, who was the founder of the Juilliard Quartet uh, and an extraordinary violinist. And she, they toured and did all of that. That's why she was able to get in front of, everybody remembers that story of like, where she was in front of the Queen of Spain and they were giving all these etiquette lessons. And she just sort of nodded her way through the etiquette lessons. And then um, when it came to time to meet the Queen, she looked the Queen in the eye and said, I don't bow to Queens. And then went and took her seat for the concert because she didn't care. And, um, and I, you know, I was always like, Rosalind, what, the, what happened? Because it's like, what do you do if you don't bow to the queen? What happens to you if you don't bow to some monarch? And the truth is nothing happens to you. Nothing. They don't do anything. They just expect everybody to do this thing, but they don't, they sit, they don't know what to do if you don't do it. So she just set that standard. She just was that, that woman. And I'm just, uh, Cheers to Roz. Cheers to Rosie. She was the greatest. Yeah. Greatest. Yeah. I've heard lots of, lots of stories. Lots of stories about her. Yeah. I loved her dearly and she loved her family. She just loved her family. So yay. You know, we're losing our elders, but we've got some of them still in office and we need to support them (laughs) as they move forward. So we'll, We'll talk. Well, again, after show, you guys will talk about old man and making that, and some of the, any anything else you want to ask me questions about. Roz, I'm happy to happy to talk about her um, in the after hours. Okay. Oh wait, I have to I have to share this real quick because yeah, I'm being asked for it. So okay, this is the email. Perfect. Five eight media at gmail.com. Um, if you sign up for the uh, the Velvet Rope Green Room here on YouTube and you email me there, just email that address. We'll add you. And give you um, access to the uh, message boards there, which are different than the message boards here. Um, it's there, it's that's its own animal there. That's just a place where we can go that isn't active on Friday night, you know. So that's yeah. what it's for. In case and, the shitter uh, shits apart in every different yeah. direction, um, there'll be a home, a landing pad. Yeah. Yeah. So um, thank you to everybody for signing up. Um, you know, thanks for your patience with it. And uh, yeah, I think it's going to work. I think it's going to be cool. So. All right, right on. All right. One more. Let's do this. Let's do this quick. Let's do this quick. I, I had some time going on it and then I stopped it. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. Ain't that un-American? Yeah. Yeah. You had an insight today. What was your insight? I had it, well, it, it's an old insight, but it was a, a friend of mine too, just sort of going, he's not an American, <laughs> you know, just this sort of, and I expressed it in the prior segment because it was around the, the conversation of Ukraine and, and those incredible young people who were speaking about their country and about themselves and their unity. And, you know, this, this guy that 
that was in there for four years that's trying to get back in and God only knows what they're going to do. That is a criminal. He's facing all these indictments and these trials. And I don't believe he's going to be president again, but my God, it's a threat on the table. He's not an American. Yeah. He's not. And I don't want to be gaslit anymore into this sort of like, well, that no, he is. He is. He's an ugly American. And I even gaslit myself on this. It's like, well, this is the manifestation of all that's worst about America. But not really. I mean, it kind of, yes, we can kind of point to that, but that that's not what he is. He's not just the worst side of us, but one of us. He's actively was installed to destroy us. This isn't, it's not American, anything about this guy. It, I don't know how much more evidence anyone needs that it's not just that he acts against the interests of America. He's not interested in America. He's not interested in democracy. And this whole party doesn't want it. They don't want it. We need to call them out and define them specifically as un-American. We need to grab our flag and fly our flag. We are American. We believe in free and fair elections. We're, we're, you know, it's, we believe in, and no one is above the law. We don't want a monarch. We threw them out so that we could become an American. That's not American. He's not an American. He's an oligarch. He's a wannabe oligarch. Maybe he really has money. I don't know. He's not an American. He's not. He's not. We're not owned by foreign powers. America is not owned by foreign powers. We're specifically not that. Yep. A lot of tea got spilled so that we would not be that. So these people, they're not, and we need to just say, you're not American. And we don't want to be ruled by you. We're going to elect and work with Americans. That's what we're going to do. And we're going to be proud of that. We're going to own being an American and start to really define what that is now. Now. What is it now? What is it in 10 years? What is it in 20? What does it look like in the future? I'd love for everyone to be there. Let's get there. We can be united. Why are we trying to unite with people who aren't Americans? Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to unite with them. We just have to unite with each other. That's all. Yep. That's it. Did you have anything on that? Yeah, I think, you know, the key word in their little slogan is the word again. Make America great again. That implies that it was always this great place. But as Biden has said many times when he makes his speeches that, yes, America is flawed, but aspirational. You know, we're, we're, we have these ideals that we're working towards. We haven't gotten there, but we know what they fucking are. And we're trying to work towards them. So we don't want to make America great again. We want to just make America great. That's what we want. Yeah. And by great, we mean truly democratic, truly of the people, by the people, for the people. Truly a place where, you know, they're, we're, we're sharing stuff. And the, we're not, it's not some oligarchy where these, you know, psychopaths like the, the, the 
Sam Bankman, whatever, and Elon. Yeah. These horrible, the horrible people. people. Take the people. their money, tax them, and put the money in so yeah. that we can have fucking health care. Like things that we want. There's things that people want in this country that most people want. Like most, like 80% right. want. We should have those things because it's a it's a democracy, and that's how democracy is supposed yeah, to work. Yeah, minority rule is un-American. It's un-American. Um, Not American. In practice, it's very American. But in the ideal of America, that's, right. that's what we're striving for, and that's what we've always been striving for, and that's what we have to continue to strive for. We don't yeah. want to make it great again. They're saying exactly the opposite. They're saying, I want the time when it was just a bunch of slave-owning white men that ran it. That's not what we want. We want a time yeah. where it's open, you know, for everybody. And I, I think it's important to go, well, th that was America, but that's not American. Yeah. That was America. It, it's always a threat on the table. You always have to fight for democracy. We've learned that now. We're witnessing it in real time in Ukraine. You've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for freedom. Now, all that stuff that sounded like agiprop, right? And that was used as agiprop in the, you know, especially in the 80s, <laughs> like in the Top Gun propaganda crap. But um, yeah, freedom's worth fighting for. Yeah. And to that end, I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving New York. I'm not leaving the United States. I'm not leaving Twitter. Fuck you. This is my place. If you want to change it to make it more monarchical, go the fuck away. Yeah. yeah. Or go through me. Yeah. Yeah, yep. you're still going to have to contend with me because I'm here and it's my place. You know, how dare you say it's not my place when I'm an American. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, that, I think I think just shifting into that, shifting into, and I'm not saying shift into some kind of performative patriotism, just saying, I think it's time to sit back and really think about and really start articulating what it means to be an American for each of us. What does it mean? And then look at a way of connecting with others in your community based on that. What can yeah. you do? What can you do as an American? I'm here with a friend of mine who's like, you know what? This thing next door, I need to paint it. I need to fix it up. Uh, I need to be invested in my community instead of sitting around thinking that it's going to happen or blah, blah, blah. So she did it. That was pretty fucking American. Love yeah. that. Yeah. So there's, we got to think about it, even down to that level. What are we doing in our daily lives? How do we define ourselves as Americans? And just have pride in it. I know one thing we don't do. You know what we don't do? What we don't we bow do? to queens. We don't bow to queens. We don't bow to queens. Yeah. Yeah. We don't bow to queens. <laughs> God oh, bless all, right. all right. Well, okay. thank you, everybody. You want to thank everybody this week? You want to be, do the thank yous, the thank you round? Uh, yeah, I can do that. We're going we're gonna to have, it's 931 Eastern right now. So we'll, we'll come on in like 10 minutes, like at 942, something like that. We'll start. We'll start okay. the after hours. Obviously, you know, thanks everybody for watching. Thanks for the support. We always appreciate it. Thanks for going to the Substack. Thanks for putting up with, uh, you know, when we have little technical problems and stuff like that. And, uh, and when our lives interfere with our ability to, uh, to come on and do the things that we'd, that we'd like to do. And, uh, you know, thanks for being great Americans, I would say, too. I'm just going to yeah. add that, too. And you know what, Greg? Um, 
What? <laughs> what, LV? We're going to get through this. The 5-8 is hosted by me, Greg Oliar, and LB, Stephanie Koff. Animation is by Chunk, at Chunkled. The music is My Spy, by Howie King, the sum of all music. Please like, share, and subscribe, here and on YouTube. To become a 5-8 member and support our show, go to the5-8.com. That's the F-I-V-E number 8.com. Join the party this weekend. We're your Friday night hang.